0: the information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation
2: it's the black health 365 podcast and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside
3: after all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice.
2: Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community.
3: With trusted voices and information.
2: To empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Hello, 365ers. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of the Black Health 365 podcast. Uh, nutrition coach, personal trainer, Jackie Page, along with.
3: What's good, 365ers? Britt Daniels here, your fit life coach and yogi. Uh, this is the Black Health 365. And as y'all know, it is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted healthcare professionals. We are here to empower the black community to make healthier choices all year long. Jackie Page, let's get into the check-in. What's happening with you?
2: Um I'm good. Um this has been an interesting day to say the least. Mm, A lot going on in the Atlanta area that kind of has my nerves on 110, but we going we going to keep pushing. Me myself um I'm okay. My allergies have been kind of all over the place. I know you've been dealing with allergies like you've been having your like Barry White situation going on, which I know the gals absolutely love. But uh, my allergies were playing with me really weirdly the last few days. Um, And I I'm I'm new to the Atlanta area, so I I guess my body hasn't gotten completely used to being down here. Um, But the last two days I've been dizzy. Like a little runny of the nose and then dizzy. Um, I took some allergy medicine and today's the first day that I've felt semi better. So I'm going to say it's out. And I've heard that, ha- I've heard that something that's happened to people where, you know, their allergies will make them, you know, feel dizzy. So I'm going to say that's what that is because I took the allergy medicine and it kind of just went away. Could have been stress too, um, but we're going to go with allergies. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay. There it is. (laughs) Honestly, we're
3: going to have to do a whole episode on allergies. Yes. Um, But yeah, I was dealing with allergies for a while, too, and I'm finally on the bounce back now. It was like at least 12 days of dealing with that. Um, But just to point out something you said quickly, you said a lot has been happening in Atlanta. And I think just in general and just within the nation, a lot has been happening um, with gun violence, with all types of things, from weather to everything. and. What I'm feeling this week is a little overwhelmed from, I think, just, you know, getting back from vacation and everything with allergies, trying to keep up my businesses. Um, and that kind of leads us into our, our Dharma talk for today. So our uh, 365ers, we do these things called Dharma talks, which uh, come from the Eastern tradition. They are basically mini sermons just to set the tone for the conversation today. Jackie, we have a very interesting conversation today that I think our 365 are going to learn a lot about. I think I'm going to learn a lot about.
2: I think we um, all are because it's something sure. I don't know a whole lot about either. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. And with that being said, today's Dharma talk is about um, protecting your energy through self awareness and boundary setting. Um, we live in a world where energy is constantly being pulled in different directions, work demands, social engagement, family obligations, um, even our, like personal desires and like what we want to do. Right. So it can be overwhelming and exhausting to navigate through these different demands and it can take a toll on our mental health, emotional, physical well-being in our relationships. So it's important to cultivate self-awareness and boundary setting um, so that we can be mindful of our thoughts or feelings and behaviors and how they impact our energy. And when we become aware of these things, we learn ways to navigate around that depleted feelings and we can be more intentional. So it's it's important to set boundaries because it establishes limits and creates uh, healthy expectations for people in our personal lives and in work lives. It's important to learn how to say no. No is the most valuable word in the world sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think today's Dharma talk is just simply about just protect yourself. I I, I want these words just emanate <laughs> for the yeah. listeners today. How can you protect yourself in a way that's sustainable for you and the people around you? A lot of people get insecure sometimes, especially in relationships, you know, when someone tells them no. But sometimes no is a way of if someone tells, you no. sometimes that means that person wants you to stay in their life because they want to make it sustainable. Um, So uh, that's what I've been reflecting on um, in the last few days, Jackie.
2: (laughs) I feel like we could do a whole entire episode on the power of no in and of itself, because like you said, it's a it's a powerful thing and it can be really great. Um, in protecting yourself. So uh, no, a a great thing to reflect on. I think I spent a lot of time reflecting on that last year um, with everything that was going on with me. So um, come on, Dahmer Talk.
3: (laughs) You know, we do it it every week. And well, speaking of awareness, May is pre-eclampsia awareness month, a month-long communication campaign to raise awareness around life-threatening hypertension disorder from pregnancy or we also will talk about today, uh, postpartum preeclampsia. So, yeah,
2: in Black yeah. women, um, it's something that happens a lot more than I think we like to acknowledge. Um, and it's something that we need to address. Um, yeah, because, you know, May is preeclampsia awareness month, and we need to bring awareness to this um, for our Black women and for our Black babies.
3: I'm so excited to talk about this conversation, Jackie. Um, you, you know me, I, I, you know, I'm intellectual. I like to learn new things. And For I I feel a bit of shame here that this is something I actually didn't know about um, until I started doing my research. Uh, So just to give some definitions to listeners right now, what is preeclampsia, eclampsia, eclampsia, and postpartum eclampsia? Um, So preeclampsia and uh, eclampsia are pregnancy-related high blood pressure disorders. And preeclampsia, the mother's high blood pressure reduces the blood supply to the fetus, which may get less oxygen and fewer nutrients. And Eclampsia is when pregnant women are, with preeclampsia, develop seizures or even a coma. Um, so a lot of agencies, health agencies, are working to understand the causes and the conditions and how these things can be prevented. Now, um, today we're going to speak with a guest who particularly has a history with postpartum preeclampsia. And postpartum preeclampsia is a rare condition that occurs when you have high blood pressure and excessive protein in um, pre- urination soon after childbirth. And preeclampsia is similar to a condition that develops in pregnancy and typically resolves, typically, but not always the case, with the birth of the baby. Um, so there's a lot to be said here, a lot to be understood. Um, I'm interested in hearing this personal narrative, um, but yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you go ahead and introduce Jess, the guest. Yeah.
2: yeah, but before I get to introducing Jen, I do wanna say Britt, it's perfectly okay. And I, and I wanna say this to all the 365ers who um, don't know, um, It is something that a lot of women don't know about until they're in that respective situation. The only reason I have an idea of what it is is because I have two best friends who've had kids. Right. It's the only reason I know. Had it not been for one of them having kids, I wouldn't have known. Um, And and again, my level of knowledge when it comes to preeclampsia and postpartum preeclampsia is to be completely honest, very surface level, again, because it's something that's not talked about a lot in the Black community, um, which is one of the reasons why a lot of our Black women and our Black babies why they deal with it. So, um, you know, Britt, I say this to you and then 365ers I say this to you as well. It is okay not to know. Um, but this is one of the reasons why we wanted to sit down and have this conversation is to bring awareness during May because, you know, that's exactly what this month is about is preeclampsia awareness. And go ahead and just mark your calendar, okay? Because World Preeclampsia Day is observed annually on May the 22nd, okay? May the 22nd, put that down in your calendar. Um so that we can continue to keep this conversation going um, and have these conversations that need to be had. So like Britt said, when we first started, we can continue to be champions of our health and of our community. But um, without further ado, I do want to introduce Jen Butler. Uh, She is originally from Washington, D.C., yay washington dc brit is well brit you're not from dc you live in dc i used to live in dc so there's a lot of ties there um jen is the vice president of media relations and communications for the national low-income housing coalition
4: jen how are you doing i am well so much better now um thank you guys so much for having me on today no, thank you for coming
2: um, and sharing your story. Um, you know, we we love to have, um, you know, guests come on and really share their story because they can be so impactful. I'm a firm believer that um, there is a, a lot of power in somebody's testimony. Um, you are a mom of two.
4: Correct. I am. I am. And I waited eight years in between to do it. How dare I? Mm-hmm. So I have uh, we have my, my son who just turned nine, actually, um, at the end of uh, March. And my brand new baby girl um, came into this world on March the 2nd. Wait a minute, like March... Oh, she, oh fe- she's two months old yesterday. Oh my
2: gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like uh, March the 2nd of 2022. Oh no, like, she's, yeah,
4: she's still very fresh. So fresh. And actually my um, recovery is also very fresh. This is very timely and appreciated. Well, Jen,
2: first, congratulations. Um, but then second, thank you again for um, sharing your story. Um, I, know, I know it's something you're still... Um, coming out of, it's something you're still dealing with. Um, so it may not be the easiest thing to do. I know it's not the easiest thing to do. But like I said before, I know there's a lot of power um, in testimonies. And that's the, the that's exactly what we want to, you know, kind of provide you the space with right now is to kind of just in the platform with is to share your story um, and give your testimony. So, um, you know, could you share your story of um, and your experience with postpartum preeclampsia?
4: definitely definitely so um i've always been aware of preeclampsia um and to be fair i do believe the doctors um you know your your um your ob like they 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 do take it very seriously um because if you do have that during pregnancy it is and e- extremely imperative that it is monitored and um, you are, you know, it's regulated so that there are no complications, to either you or your baby. Um, so in both of my pregnancies, I did not have preeclampsia. So my blood pressure was never an issue for either one of my pregnancies. So again, I had my son, I was in my, you know, mid twenties. Now this is, um, you know, eight, eight or eight, Slash nine years later, I'm now in my mid thirties. And in either case, I didn't have preeclampsia. So I'm giving birth to my, to my baby girl. At one point during the delivery, my blood pressure spiked quite a bit, significantly, but it's because my epidural wore off. So essentially I went from having an epidural to then having natural labor for two hours, which was not something that I was prepared for. (laughs) And so as a natural reaction, my body was, you know, essentially saying, uh, help, I'm in distress. What is going on? Because, you know, the, I I always, I want to give all the flowers and kudos to any woman who has natural birth because, I didn't elect for that. So I was not expecting to experience it. So again, um, my blood pressure spiked. So when that happens, they are required to do testing just to ensure that everything's okay. Got through that. My baby's here. Everything's wonderful. Fast forward to now I'm in the postpartum room and I'm expected to stay there one or two nights. That's perfectly, you know, normal. I was um, getting assistance from one of the night nurses um, who was helping me, you know, you you pretty much need, you know, a lot of help doing just about everything right after delivery. Um, and so just casually, you know, talking, she said, you know, I think we're, you're going to end up going home after two nights and not one because, you know, you have postpartum preeclampsia. And I'm, mind you, we are like in the restroom. She is helping me change. It is a very, you know, I'm like, this is what, huh? So I looked at her, and like you know, I I said, "No, I don't." I, it was just such an awkward, you know. Again, it's like, what is happening right now? What are you saying to me? And she said I, it very casually,
2: too. Like
4: while we were in the, I, I can't yeah. stress it enough, we were in the restroom. Like she was help, you know. She mind you, she was amazing, you know, helping me. But I was, it was just a very, it caught me off guard. And so she's like and she she could tell by my facial expression that I was not amused by in my in my opinion at that moment was this just very random diagnosis. And so she she, she could tell i guess my energy so she said, "You know what? I'm just going to we're going to let the doctor talk to you tomorrow." Okay, sis. That's you know basically was you know how the way I was feeling. So the very next morning the doctor comes in And they say, yes, so Ms. Butler, we want to explain to you that when your blood pressure spiked um, during delivery, we found that you have non-threatening postpartum preeclampsia. I said, I'm sorry. So, again, here's the facial expression Expression again. What are you saying? So what it is, is um, preeclampsia is actually caused or it's due to your placenta. And so that's why usually it becomes resolved after childbirth, because of course, after you deliver, your placenta comes out. But in the cases of postpartum preeclampsia, there are some residuals from the placenta that are still in your body. And so it essentially causes the same things that would happen during preeclampsia if you were, you know, while pregnant.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider kisimta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection,
4: What makes it so scary is that what makes preeclampsia also so scary is that if you're not someone who, who traditionally has high blood pressure, while maybe it might be something that's incremental or something that maybe even your body has gotten used to over time, it's something that shocks your body right away because your, your pressure can spike exponentially right away. That, every the, the urgency that I just expressed to you, though, was not, the urgency that was that was expressed to me at this first conversation with the doctor so the doctor was just saying because it's non-threatening for you your your blood pressure numbers look great what we want you to do go home take care of that beautiful baby just check your pressure two times a day if you see any numbers that are alarming Anything that's if your top number's over 140 or if your bottom number's over 90, call us. But otherwise, you know, best of luck to you. Mind you, I received excellent care at the hospital, so I had no reason to to feel anything other than you know gratitude for the you know for the for the experience. To be completely honest, I was never a person who thought about blood pressure before. I I hate to even say that out loud, but it just it wasn't anything that ever impacted me. I didn't, you know, in terms of like, you know, the the the, the ranges and the numbers and and, you know, warning signs. That wasn't anything that I ever thought about again. I didn't have preeclampsia, so it, it was never even an issue during my pregnancies. So. I, you know, I go home. I, I got a blood pressure cuff on the way home because um, I want to make sure I'm, you know, I'm doing what I'm told. But I, it's it still was in the very back of my mind. So um, I get home. The, br- the blood pressure cuff is a bus. It doesn't work. It's just and if anything, I took it as a sign of this is not I don't need to worry about this. I have enough. I have a brand new baby, a eight getting ready to turn nine year old. I and then I also have anxiety, very bad anxiety. So it's also coincidentally Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's one thing that I, you know, what's funny is that I have I ended up having postpartum preeclampsia. I was more focused on being very hyper focused and conscious of postpartum depression because as someone who has anxiety and panic disorder, panic attacks. I'm that's what I was hyper focused on wanting to to check in with myself, wanting to monitor my own mental wellness, because that is a extremely serious, extremely serious thing that impacts black women disproportionately as well as, of course, um, the physical health. So the last thing I was thinking was this so? It was in the back of my mind. The blood pressure cuff isn't working. I need to move on. I'm. I, we're getting. You know, my husband and I. We're getting readjusted to this new normal with our now two children. I wasn't thinking about it. Fast forward now to a couple days later. We're at my daughter's first pediatrician appointment, and I got a phone call from one of the nurses from the hospital that I delivered, asking. Um, to check in on my numbers because I was supposed to be taking them, you know, twice a day and writing them down, monitoring. I said, oh, no, I I didn't take any numbers down. Like what? I said, OK, OK, I'd like to be a good student. So let me just this is what I'm going to do while I'm at my daughter's appointment. I'm just going to have them take my blood pressure. I'm going to call them back, give them the good news. And hopefully I can just be done with this for good. The nurse that took my pressure, the first reading was so alarming. Her face alone said it all. She went and got another cuff because she's like, let me check this again. Let me try again. She went and got another cuff. The number was still way higher than it ever should be. My my daughter, this is uh, mind you, this is my daughter and son's pediatrician comes in, yeah, Miss Butler, you're gonna have to call your you know, the hospital now. I felt perfectly fine. I was I mean, mind you, I felt like I just pushed out an eight pound ten ounce baby a couple of days before that, right? But I still felt fine. So at this point, I'm completely shaken up. You want to talk about anxiety. I'm just like, what do you mean? What are you saying to me right now? So me and my husband, we, you know, we pack up the baby. We're actually going to go pick up my son from school. I'm thinking, you know what? They're probably just going to tell me to go home, take a nap or something. Or maybe I have to come in for a checkup, you know, tomorrow. I'm sure everything will be fine. The nurse, when I, you know, when I called, the nurse said, "Miss Butler, you have to come into the hospital immediately. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> there must be some mistake. She said, no immediately. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, Ms. Butler, it's imperative that you come into the hospital immediately. So immediately I'm completely distraught and confused. And I said, I have my son, I have my infant. She said, you can bring your infant because you're going back to labor and delivery in the hospital, but your son, you have to, you have to find arrangements for your son. Long story short, I'm, you know, having a complete meltdown. I go to the hospital my pressures even higher when I get to the hospital. After that, I spent the next few days um, in the hospital, and everything came in really hot and heavy <laughs> from then. It was like it was like it was almost like a race um, from there. It I, I felt like um I felt blindsided. I felt completely blindsided. I felt terrified. I felt confused. Um, I felt like a lot of information was coming at me very quickly. I just came home from delivering my daughter. And a couple days later, I'm back in the hospital. The baby is out of my stomach. What am I doing back in the hospital? So what they had to do was put me on a magnesium treatment first for 24 hours, and then they had to monitor you thereafter to make sure that your blood pressure was stable before you went home. So kind of backtracking a little bit, I touched on it briefly earlier. With preeclampsia or postpartum preeclampsia in this case, again, because it's such a shock to your body, you can have a seizure, a stroke or worse at any moment. They said at any moment, I could have had a seizure, a stroke or worse. Black women die from this every day. And the scary
2: thing about that is listening to your story is that you said you felt fine. You felt perfectly okay. So to hear you say, I was feeling fine. I was perfectly okay. Granted, you know, I, I just had a baby. But outside of that, you felt, that—that
4: that is scary. I was horrified. They give you different warning signs to look out for. They say, um, I think I mentioned earlier, like the, the, the numbers, right? But then they also say, You know, if you see black spots in front of your eyes, if you have shortness of breath or or chest cramps, or if you have pain on your right side, or if you have excessive swelling, none of which I had. I mean, I had normal symptoms of, again, just delivering a baby. But what makes, like you said, what makes this so scary is that women walk around after just having a baby and say, oh, my head hurts. Well, that's okay. I just had a baby. Or maybe I do have pains on my sides Well, I just had a baby and they ignore it. And the reason why I use the word blindsided is because I felt like I was always so I've always heard so much about preeclampsia, preeclampsia, preeclampsia. But I kind of felt like once they knew I didn't have preeclampsia during pregnancy. I mean, why not? Why not say, you know, there's a possibility, though even though you don't have preeclampsia after you deliver any woman can have postpartum preeclampsia just put it out there maybe you know ha- let that be as serious a conversation as any of the a- other very serious conversations that happen during your pregnancy j- journey because there are many why why was this just not a part of the conversation at all i literally have you know friends who work in in, in healthcare who had to Google what postpartum preeclampsia was. I myself, my family, my friends had to Google what postpartum preeclampsia was because it's just not enough information. Um, they say that in, in the D.C., so I you know, live in D.C. They say in the D.C. area, it affects about 5% of women, majority, of course, being Black women. And what's interesting is they said they saw a spike post-COVID. So they're still learning so much about this. But why is it that I'm not knowing that this even exists until I have it? Until now you're telling me that I cannot go home. I'm in the hospital getting treatment for something that I didn't, I never even knew what, what is this? I, I'm telling you, I looked at that nurse in that bathroom like she was crazy when she said I had postpartum preeclampsia. <laughs> and I'm just I'm still just in shock that she just said it so casually and
2: i understand you know hey go home take care of your baby um you know check your numbers but i feel like to your point there should have been a a bigger conversation at that point with you as far as like hey this is what you have and this is what could happen this is how serious you need to take it because if you don't have that conversation to your point like you say it you know, we don't talk about postpartum preeclampsia. We talk about postpartum depression. We talk mm-hmm. about we talk about everything else mm-hmm. minus this. And yeah. if this is something that women are dealing with, why are you and you see this woman is dealing with it? Why are you not having this conversation with her? Yes. That's the thing that's blowing me right now is why not have that conversation with you then and say, OK, you know, this is why it's important to check your numbers. This is what you need to be looking yes. out for, Um, you know, as you go home. Because, you know, if you don't have that conversation with somebody and and and, and be serious about it, of course, yeah. I just had a baby. I got 50 million other things to worry about. I'm not going to worry
4: about this. Yes. The instruction should have been explicit. Come on. Explicit. And with all the urgency of God, it should have been, it should have been, Miss Butler, if you do not check your pressure twice a day, you can you know this can happen if your numbers reach higher than this this is likely to happen and you have to come it, it there should have been so much more urgency and, and and but but you know what makes it what makes all of this the worst for me for my personal experience was even even more, you know, even more shocking than the actual diagnosis, even more startling than the hospital stay. And, you know, my family, my husband, my son wanting to know why am I dropping him off? When are you coming home? I'm not able to tell him. More than that, again, as someone who suffers from anxiety, this impacted me for and the uncertainty that anything won't happen at any moment after that. And that's not that's not rational of course, but that, you know, angst is not rational. Anxiety is not rational. And so if something this this traumatic happened when I felt perfectly fine. Once I leave the hospital and I go home, how do I know it's not going to happen again? What am I what am I going to So now I'm I'm in a I'm 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 like in a fog because I'm terrified. I have two babies. I have a husband. I have to be here. How how do I know something else isn't going to happen? And you have six weeks. So essentially I had to wait until my six week appointment to see, is it gone? That's another crazy thing about this thing. It goes away when it wants to.
2: So that was going to be a (laughs) question is, you know, is this something, because you said, you know, your baby, she is almost two months. Is it still something that you are dealing with today? Like, is there, you know, does it last for six weeks, eight weeks? Is it, can it be, you know, a year long? How long does this last?
3: Yes. Just the overall treatment process and how the doctors, you know, educated you on that treatment process. You know, what is, what is, what has it looked like?
4: Yeah. Um, well, the what's again what's so interesting about this in terms of them still not knowing so much. They say it can stay in your body for at least six weeks. They don't see it typically, you know, much longer than that. But you know, luckily, I was able to catch it days after. Some women don't catch it until weeks after. I can't even imagine that. But they say that typically by your six-week checkup postpartum they say that they you know they evaluate you and that usually it's gone by then thankfully thank god in my case it was gone by my 6 week checkup um somewhat again every woman is not the same and and with so again the fact they still don't know so much about it is what's so crazy in terms of the treatment. What is great that they do know is that the the treatment that I received was a magnesium drip, and it was for through IV um, for twenty four hours, um, and that essentially keeps your body from responding to the shock of the spike of the of the blood pressure, because what your body will naturally do is go into a seizure or catapult into a stroke or worse. And so the magnesium regulates um, that, but they have to do it again for an entire 24 hours. Um, You know, you can't move, you have to, you know, you can't eat, you have to just receive this treatment. And then for days after they have to um, put you on, it's every person's different. They have to find a blood pressure medicine and dosage that works for you that regulates it. So luckily I was able to, they were able to find one for me fairly quickly um, that I had to take once a day. And I took it once a day for those six weeks thereafter. Um, What was difficult for me was what was triggering for me was taking my pressure twice a day. Um, some people they do some people might you know hear this and say that's a walk in the park i check my blood pressure two three four times a day that was never something that i had to do and it was never something that i had to do that was assigned to a horrific outcome so it was something where every time i took my pressure it's like what is it gonna be what's the number gonna be and anyone who is familiar with of course taking your pressure That makes your pressure higher. If you're worried and stressed going into taking your pressure, it's not going to make it any better. Um, And so that was a difficult um, that was a difficult part. Again, all of this was like after I came home for the hospital, it was just it it was tough.
3: On a global level, how has this whole experience affected your perception of 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 doctors, hospitals? Good question, uh, Britt you know you know black people in general we 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 have a little apprehension when going to the doctor in the first place like you said we get high blood pressure simply going to the hospital um so how has this affected your relationship with the hospital medical profession but also just self-awareness around your own health on a global level just like even what you eat how you exercise like what has changed in your life fundamentally um yeah
4: yeah, that's an excellent question, and you're so right about that. They call it the white coat syndrome. Um, I look, I, I had that at home, so it's I don't know what they call it when you're doing it at home, but um, it it definitely. It sparked something in me because what I cannot do is take away from the experience that I had and the and the care that I received while at the hospital because I do feel like my soror delivered my baby like I you know I can't take away from the positive, ex, the positive experiences that I had you know delivering my daughter. I do think though, however, that maybe. It's something about maybe not having enough information that maybe, and this is given the benefit of the doubt, which I don't easily do. Um, maybe because there's not enough information around it, maybe they don't wanna cause you know, undue worry or stress um, by preemptively putting it out there. I, I can't explain why this why there was not enough information around this. I felt I, I felt the, the best word I can use is blindsided. Thinking about it from a global perspective, I never thought that I would be a part of the narrative that Black women are disproportionately impacted by um, health complications or have the highest mortality rate postpartum. I never thought I would be impacted by that. I never thought that I would be a part of that number. And I am blessed because there are women who have had suffered far, far worse. Um, And so I, 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 it's funny because I've I, I told everyone, you know, just kind of given the nature of what I do as well. I said, I want to go on a, a national campaign, you know, just for awareness for this. Why is this not something that is why is it and the fact that the doctors say there's still so much that so we don't know about this? that is startling to hear. That is startling to hear because I think they have preeclampsia down, you know, I think they have that. I think that, you know, I've known many women who've had preeclampsia and they have complications from it, but the doctors, you know, um they they again, they regulate it, they treat it. But what is it? What's happening with the placenta? Why is it that after it leaves your body, it still has these effects that are sh- that, that's shocking your system? What is it? Um, it makes me. It makes me. Uh, it makes me feel grateful, but also just my heart pours out to women who maybe don't have access, Black women who maybe don't have, who maybe have not had access to resources, um, adequate medical care, um, just any of the things that that if their outcome was different, um, that could have, you know, been different for them. Um, I will say though, while I do feel like there should have been so much more communication, education, information given about postpartum preeclampsia preeclampsia um in my experience that nurse saved my life when she called asking to call back with my numbers she saved my life because i would not have checked my pressure i would not i would not you know i wouldn't who knows if i would have made it to that six-week appointment so it's it's something that i um I just the conversation has to it has to be expanded. I think that preeclampsia is is well is is well known, um, at least women who are who have experienced pregnancy. But we we it, we've it's time to expand it because if it's something, if you're saying five percent of women in the D.C. area, that's a lot. That that's, and that's a just lot. D.C. That's just D.C.
3: I wanted to know why some people who get COVID nineteen get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor. Such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID 19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. And you mentioned that was it post preeclampsy or preeclampsy in general? It- has increased since covid or increased during covid?
4: Yes, they said that's- that yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just postpartum preeclampsia or if it's both postpartum and preeclampsia. But what does that mean? What is 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 this a is this a residual of the virus? Is this a who I don't want to speculate because I am no one's medical professional, but that's or is it stress related? Like what does that mean? And to your point, I'm also
2: curious to know if your doctor or nurses ever said like, hey, you know, this is what you could have done. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your
1: family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
2: um beforehand or in advance to prevent this or if you decide to have another child, you know, make sure that you're doing these things so that, you know, it doesn't happen again. Is there any preventative measures or is it literally just kind of one of those things where you don't know
4: until it happens? I'm so glad that you asked that because what they said to me, which again I I feel like I keep using the same words over and over again because it's it's I mean them with I with such deliberation. <laughs> it was shocking to me because they said, Miss Butler, there is nothing you could have done differently. They said it's not like traditional blood pressure. It's not anything that you ate. It's not you know, it's not anything that you drank. It's not hereditary. It's not it's not um, it's not stress related. They said it's it has there. She said there's literally some women get it and some women don't. So are you at higher risk for high
2: blood pressure now that you have had postpartum preeclampsia? Like, does that change your, I guess, regular blood pressure
4: outlook? I, it just, I, I'm really, I'm boggled right now. Absolutely, and you know what? So this is actually to to Brit's earlier uh, question as well. The two are not related, but what this is going to do is my follow up with my primary care now going forward is always going to include, you know, blood pressure yeah. awareness and, and just what's my status. And because blood pressure, you know, as again, in the black community, hypertension is prevalent and my family high, hypertension is prevalent. It's never impacted me personally, but moving forward, they say they're not related. But you won't get me again. I'm going moving forward. I'm going to advocate for myself and I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to say this is something that I experienced. Can you. Hey, let's check on this today. And, you know, I'm going to just I'm going to ask more questions.
2: And I think um, 365ers, you know, that is your what's your 365 is advocate for yourself and ask more questions a lot of times we take we ask a question and the first answer that's given that's what we want to rock with and in some cases that's cute but in most cases it's not um and and jen right here is is a is a prime example of like no you got to ask more questions you got to advocate for yourself um because if you don't nobody knows where you may or may not be um jen wow Thank you so much for, um, you know, sharing your story. Um, I I know before we like sat down with you, me and Britt were like, you know, we really want to hear this because, again, it's something that's not talked about enough. Um, And I I don't think in a million years I was ever expecting to hear, you know, what you shared today. Um, But I'm so thankful and happy that you did because I'm sure life and lives have been saved um, because of it. Um, so thank you.
3: Absolutely, uh, Jen. Um, the gravity of this testimony, you know, aside from the emotional impact that I'm sure will have on 365 ers and has definitely had on myself. Again, I came into this with shame that I didn't know much about it, but it's clearly something that's far reaching in the Black community. It's also speaking to the larger conversation that you had regarding the medical community. The medical community is still doing research into this. And within their protocol, it needs to be expanded. You're talking about preeclampsia, but you need to have a very detailed explanation of measures that need to be taken after pregnancy and things that you need to be aware of. And so these type of testimonies are imperative. That should, be, you know, that should inform law, really. Um, so thank you for sharing all of this.
4: Thank you guys so much for having me share and and being a part of the conversation as well. Uh, Jen, really quickly, if you
2: want to, um, if one of the 365ers, if they're going through postpartum preeclampsia and, you know, they need somebody to reach out to, or if they need a shoulder to cry on, um, you know, do you have an Instagram or contact information where people can kind of reach out to you?
4: Yes, definitely. So I am um, only on Instagram and it is Jen, J-E-N underscore, Hen, H-E-N underscore.
2: Jen, again, thank you so much. Um, wow, is all I can say. Um, there is power in telling your story and there was a lot of power um in your story today. So again, thank you. Uh 365 is as always. If there is something that you want us to talk about, if there is something that you want us to Dig and dive into, we are more than happy um, to do that. Just hit us up on Instagram at Black Health 365. Again, that's Black Health 365. And um, I do want to remind you that uh, World Preclampsia Day is observed annually on May the 22nd. We're having the conversation today, but that does not mean that the conversation stops today. No, the conversation needs to keep happening. So put that day down on your calendar. Um, I'm Jackie Page.
3: And I'm Britt Daniels. Remember 365ers, be an advocate for your health. Peace, namaste, and
2: love. Adios. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jaheet Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.